You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Are you tired of working nine to five? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of The Girl Take No Podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Techno Podcast. I am your host, Shawnee Sanders. And today we have an amazing guest with us. Her name is Ivana Radovich. I think I said it right, Ivana. <laughs> she is Director of Client Services at Stream Commerce. And her goal is to help us supercharge the next generation of Shopify stores. So Ivana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be I'm, here. I'm glad to have this conversation because one, I have a lot of friends who want to start stores on Shopify, um, but don't necessarily understand online business and what e-commerce is. And I feel like when people want to start online businesses, they need to have a just a general or basic understanding of what e-commerce is. And so I think this mm -hmm. conversation here will give people more understanding and maybe some tips and strategies on how to launch their stores and how to grow their stores online. Um, but before we jump into any of that, let me ask the question. I always get the story behind, no, the story behind the brand. I've been interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs, but let's get the story mm -hmm. behind why you decided to go into the e-commerce space and what has that journey been like for you? Yeah, I, I wish I could say that my journey into e-commerce was 100% intentional <laughs> because it was it, it was mm -hmm. not, to be honest. Um, my my background uh, in university, I studied political science. Wow. So right out of university, I actually worked for the government for a few mm -hmm. years before deciding that that wasn't really my calling. Um, and then I started working with a marketing agency, a local marketing agency here, and we started getting more and more Shopify clients, like, you know, uh, brands that were on Shopify. Mm -hmm. So we really figured out pretty quickly that we were really good at marketing for e-commerce specifically. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of snowballed from there. And that was eight plus years ago. And so I like to say I kind of fell into e-commerce, yeah. but it was a happy accident because I, you know, intentionally chose to continue my career in that. I really, I really in enjoyed it. So 
That's the, the short of it. <laughs> That's a good story, though, to go from the government, because it's like, those are two really different worlds. You know what I mean? Go from government to more of a, like a creative space, a creative industry. So that that's a really cool transition there, really. Um, let's let's talk about e-commerce because, you know, like I said, what was said previously is that most people want to start stores. Most people want to have an online business. And I think since COVID, people have kind of like people understand the importance of having an online presence. But I also mm-hmm. think that they still don't understand how to market their business, how to get clients stills and how to build their stores. You know, they still don't have that basic understanding. So let's talk about e-commerce. Let's kind of give people a basic definition of what e-commerce is so they can kind of understand what that is. Yeah, I mean the very basic and short definition of it is selling your product or online on a through a website. Um you know, you bring up a really good point with COVID. Uh, what we've realized especially in the e-commerce space is we had a lot of uh clients that previously only had potential like brick and mortar Mm -hmm. stores and all of a sudden they found themselves needing to get online like yesterday um and they were you know bleeding money day by day that their stores were closed and they weren't able to sell anything online so i think um covid really highlighted the importance of like an omni-channel approach and being in more than one place um but i think one of the really common misconceptions that i see with with uh entrepreneurs that get into the e-commerce space is you know, just because you build it doesn't mean customers will magically find you online. It just it just doesn't work that way. So um, you have to have a, a strategy behind that um, in terms of like, okay, how are you going to drive customers to your mm-hmm. site? And even taking a step before that is, you know, have you validated product market fit? Mm-hmm. So does anybody actually want to buy what you're selling? Yeah. And I mean, like beyond like your mom and your dad and your sister and your cousins and your friends, who, you know, maybe like exactly. feel obligated to buy it. But I mean, you know, has anybody that maybe you don't know purchased your your product before? Is there interest in it? Is there a customer? Is there a customer fit? Is there a target audience for it? People that are actually interested in it. Um, so I think you do need to validate that what you're selling is wanted. Yeah. And then from there, you sort of build out your marketing strategy on how you're going to drive traffic to your site, convert that traffic, nurture those customers long term. <laughs> Et cetera, yeah, et cetera. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of entrepreneurs do think that, well, I have a good product. People are going to want it. And you're right. They don't test it in the market to even know if it's something, not even doing type of market research or bring some people together and say, hey, this is a product you would use. I think that's probably one of the biggest problems that a lot of them have and maybe why a lot of them don't see that growth that they're looking for. But when it comes to the e-commerce business overall, what challenges you think face some of our entrepreneurs in this space when they're first coming out? I mean, you know, I, budget is the obvious, obvious one. Um, not everybody has money to sink into Facebook yeah. ads, Google ads. Um, and especially in that space, it's become very competitive and very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially with like some of the entrepreneurs early stage entrepreneurs that are just starting out with their with their Shopify store, they tend to go a little bit more, maybe like the influencer yeah. route or, you know, they, they've got some money that they put into ads, but maybe they're using a channel like Pinterest mm-hmm. or TikTok or something that's a little bit less saturated, maybe a little bit less expensive mm-hmm. than Meta and, and Google and so on. Um, but I think one of the key things that I see really working for businesses in general, online businesses in general, is owning their their marketing mm. list. So collecting those emails so that you have a database of 
customers or potential customers that you can communicate with. You don't have to rely on like an Amazon or some other third party vendor to be able to get customers. You own that customer list. And that I think is huge. Um, And being able to communicate with those folks in an intentional way and and with, you know, really as as you please and as it makes sense for your business. Um, yeah, I think that th- those are, and I, you, you know, you touched on something, like you said, with email marketing. And I think a lot of people still don't understand the value of email marketing because now we're so much into followers, you know what I mean? Building that social media presence, mm-hmm. making sure we have enough followers, getting engagement where a lot of people don't think about capturing emails, even on their social media mm-hmm. pages, because if that social media go down, like what do you have now when all those followers go away? Do you have a list that you can nurture that community outside of that. So let's kind of talk about more about the importance of building and having a strong email list, especially in an e-commerce business, if you want to have success in it, because I still don't think people understand the importance of it. Of uh, So you're asking about building yeah. email specifically? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I think I like email kind of had a bad rep for a long mm-hmm. time because, you know, people think like you're spamming people. Uh, you know, sometimes people are, customers don't remember how they signed yeah. up, which should never be the yeah. case, honestly. Yeah. Like it should be very clear when people are signing up to your email list what they're signing yeah. up for. Um, but generally speaking, on like the low end, at least 20% of uh, a brand's revenue or a lot of the brands that Mm -hmm. I work with, at minimum 20% of their revenue comes from email Mm. alone. And that's like low balling Mm -hmm. it. Um, You know, I see it, usually I like to have it in like that 40% zone, if not higher, it differs for different brands. But that's a significant chunk. And that's a significant chunk of money that you could potentially be leaving on the table by not leveraging, you know, your email list. And also, I think having an actual strategy behind what you're emailing, who you're emailing mm-hmm. it to, when you're emailing. It's not a situation of just email everybody the exact same thing all the time and hope it works. And then you wonder why you have like crazy unsubscribe yeah. rates or, or something like that, or you're landing in spam or even the promotions folder, mm-hmm. better than spam, but still not yeah. ideal. We want to be landing in inboxes. And, uh, and you know, alongside email now, SMS is really mm-hmm. having a moment. It has for the last like year plus. And SMS, I would say, is an even more personal channel than email. You know, you're literally sliding into people's text mm-hmm. messages and their, their DMs. So you have to be really intentional with what you're sending to, to those customers. And, you know, it doesn't always need to be promotional messaging. Yeah. It can be something that, you know, shows people how to use your product, especially if you've got like a very complex product mm-hmm. um, or customer service is a big piece too. So a lot of brands are using SMS for customer service. When customers have questions about a product, they can answer it right away so that you can get that conversion a little bit faster, or at least like, you know, contribute to getting that conversion. So, you know, and, and I think to your point with, you know, people relying just on, on followers, yeah. for example, that kind of ties back into being in different channels mm-hmm. so that you don't just rely on a single channel because if Instagram goes down for a day, TikTok goes down for a day and you're just relying on that channel, you could be, it could be costing you tens of thousands, if not more dollars you know, a day for, or even an hour for every hour that that platform's yeah, down. Yeah, that, that is 100% true. Are you beginning to see a shift? Because I know for me as a shopper, um, email used to be my major way of like, oh, yeah, let me click on this, let me go to the site. And it's still one way that I still um, get promotions and stuff like that, that I take advantage of. But a lot lately, I've been really kind of going through my SMM messages through my mobile phone, because I received something mm-hmm. from 
let's say Fenty and they'll have some kind of deal and I click on it and I'm straight over there and I'm purchasing. Do you begin to see a shift that more people are beginning to convert through SMS versus email? Yes. So SMS performs really well, at least for the brands that I've worked with directly Mm -hmm. and and the research that's out there right now does indicate that SMS does well. Um, Customers do like to be communicated with through text message, but only with like a handful of brands. So through for SMS, uh, you won't necessarily see as many customers signing up for SMS as they would for Mm -hmm. email, for example. Mm -hmm. So SMS, they still kind of reserve for really like their top brands that they really want to hear from. And you need to basically earn your spot (laughs) in those, you know, that that SMS circle of of friends. Um, But it does tend to because it's more of that personalized uh, uh, channel. It's, you know, very like intention in in to um, email marketing, do you see a shift happening where more customers are beginning to purchase through SMS messages versus email? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the short answer is yes. Uh, and generally speaking, we we can't track open rates mm-hmm. on text messages, yeah. but we can see click rates and click rates do tend to be quite a bit higher than they are on uh, on email. Um, you know, I've seen kind of anywhere seven, eight percent, which is mm-hmm. quite good for for clicks. Um and because the text messages are more intentional, so usually it's like maybe you have a flash sale, maybe it's a price drop trigger or something like that, and you don't send them every day, you know, you send a, the kind of number out there is maybe six a month, which isn't no, a lot actually, when you think mm-hmm. about it. But um, but because of that, you know, that they do tend to convert pretty well. So generally speaking, again, doesn't might not make sense for every brand, but the brands that I have worked with, they do see a good return from SMS. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I understand the fact, like you said, you know, not everybody wants to be inundated with SMS messages. So it's really reserved for those brands that you really love. You know what I mean? So it's almost like downloading an app on your phone. You're not going to give every, you know, when you do that, it's like, it's really reserved for those people, those apps that you use consistently because you don't want to use up the space on your phone. So I really understand that piece too. So what do you consider to be an approach to, because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't really um, do email marketing very well. Um, what do you think is approach to creating a successful email marketing campaign? Like what tips can you give an entrepreneur to say, Hey, here are some steps you can take to create one successfully that can lead back to a customer converting on your Shopify site. I like to have a content calendar in place Mm -hmm. and that feeds into my email strategy so that I know what I'm sending Mm -hmm. when I usually will have like my promotions uh, planned out. I tend to do that on a quarterly basis and have any promos that I have coming up, any like new product drops, any cool collaborations that I want to tell my, my uh, audience Mm -hmm. about. And from there, figure out like kind of what campaigns I want to send around that and to who. So it doesn't necessarily, especially if you have a big list, might not make sense to send that to everybody because not everybody is going to be interested about every piece of your business, especially if you have a big product catalog. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if if somebody's not interested in in wallets, they've never purchased wallets from your site, they've never even indicated they're interested in wallets, like what, you know, might not make sense to send them content about wallets. Um, So really being intentional about what you're sending into what audience and also like who you're excluding from those sends, I think is really important. And also understanding what can be automated. So do you have some of those key automated flows set up like your welcome flow, your abandoned checkout Mm -hmm. flow, your post-purchase flow? Those are automated. You set them up, they generate you money in the background. Um, 
don't just set it and forget it. <laughs> that is one of my big tips um, <laughs> because sometimes I see brands, they set it and they never look at it for like two years and it's like, well, okay, let's, let's review yeah. this. Um, so I do recommend even for like your automated flows, let's take a look at them at least like quarterly or, you know, maybe every six months to make sure they're still relevant. Um, but also like looking at the data and what's the data telling you. So if you're getting, you know, your open rates aren't really good, your click rates aren't very good. You're always looking at the data and from there gauging what you can do to improve your open rates, improve your click rates, improve your conversion rates. So it's never just set and forget it and do the same thing over and over and then and hope for a good result. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, let's step back for a minute. Let's talk about that business owner, uh, the entrepreneur, like you said, that's coming out with their first product. Um, they have a few sales, but not a lot. You know, they want to build their store on Shopify. Maybe they're moving from their website and say, hey, I want to do it on Shopify because there's a lot of benefits to having a store on Shopify. And I would like to get into some of those too. Um, how do you tell them to go about even capturing? Let's say they don't even have an email list. How do they go about even capturing emails today? I mean, if you're driving any sort of traffic to the site, which I, I hope you are driving some traffic, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Um, having a email capture form on your site that you are looking at, is it converting? What is it converting mm -hmm. at is going to be mm -hmm. key. It doesn't need to be anything super complex or over the top. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily always have to be like sign up and get 10% off or 15% yeah. off. It could be, you know, enter to for a monthly giveaway. Or maybe it's just like, you know, be the first to know about something like very exclusive access. Mm -hmm. um, but make sure you have some form of lead capture set up on your site, first and foremost, because um, sometimes that's, that's mm -hmm. missing. And that's like the very, very <laughs> basic piece of it. Um, of course, if you have the budget, and you're driving some top of funnel traffic to your site. Um, again, look at channels outside of just Meta and, and Google, yeah. especially if your budget is tight. If your audience, you know, maybe you're in the home and garden space, well, your audience could very well be on Pinterest and that could convert really well for you or, or you know, be a cheaper option mm -hmm. for you. Um, working with influencers and again, if budget is an issue, maybe don't go to, you know, the Kylie Jenners of the world because she'll probably be outside uh, of your budget. Yeah, way outside of it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, just, just a little bit, right? <laughs> Um, but, uh, maybe go and look at micro or even nano influencers, mm -hmm. because I have seen, um, you know, folks on, on Instagram, on TikTok that have a following of maybe a thousand to 2000 people, which in the grand scheme of things, doesn't look like a lot, but they're really engaged followers and they're monetizing that audience. Yeah. And so, you know, numbers aren't everything. It's more engagement in my mm -hmm. opinion, but look at, you know, if you reach out to, we work with 20 or 30 smaller influencers, well, if you're tapping into their audience, that could actually be a pretty big audience that you're reaching yeah. and driving to your side. Yeah. So yeah, the collaborations is huge too, especially if you're just starting out. Yeah. A lot of people I notice take that route as well. And, you know, and um, I think you also have to be very careful who you attach your brand with as well. You know what I mean? To make yes. sure your goals and what your brand um, stands for aligns with theirs. So that's super important. But that was some good tips because I'm telling you, a lot of people can't even, don't even know how to capture emails. You know, I know a lot of people who have today are beginning to capture emails through their, through their link tree. You know, like you go to Linktree and they said, hey, sign up. They have an email sign up thing there. I just feel like today it's so hard for people to give you their emails because like you said, over, over the years, people have been so inundated with promotional emails and so many different things. I, even my inbox is like, super full. And it's like, now I'm very particular when I put my email somewhere because I'm like, do I really want something from this company before I do this? Mm -hmm. And so everyone does, I think still have that kind of like 
that doubt that can we really capture emails? Is email still the number way, the big way to go when it comes to building a list, building a community outside of just social media? So this is why I feel like it's such an important conversation because we do need to understand how important it is. And people need to know tips and strategies on how to capture emails. Where's the best way to capture an email? <laughs> and once you get it, how you nurture them after that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, to your point, like email, a lot of people now, they do guard yeah. their email. They know exactly what's happening. They give their email. They know they're going to mm-hmm. be hit with all these emails. But so email is a way to, you know, make sales and engage your customers, but it's not the yeah. only way. It should just be like one piece of your, of your arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to, let's talk about drop shipping because a lot of people are in drop shipping now. And is drop shipping something that works on Shopify? Is that a tactic that you would tell a client to say, hey, you could try drop shipping? Or is there something that a customer come to you and say, hey, I have a drop shipping business. How can I make this work on Shopify? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, it does work on Shopify. Um, I think dropshipping was really kind of popularized with, you know, all the kind of entrepreneurs like living and working in like Bali and starting (laughs) a dropshipping business. And they just, you know, you just see them like rolling in cash and living the life, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's i I've been hit with some of those like YouTube shorts (laughs) and, you know, ads and stuff. I'm like, that's It does. I'm like, I'm Um, even thinking about doing it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing with dropshipping is, and, and by the way, I'm by no means a dropshipping expert. I work primarily with yeah. brands that like have their own yeah. products. Um, but the the thing with dropshipping is, and I think the reason it's so appealing to people is because it's quick mm-hmm. to get started. Yeah. Pro- arguably a lot quicker than like launching your own mm-hmm. brand and your own products and, and et cetera, et cetera. Because you don't have to try and find a manufacturer, you know, figure out packaging, like all this stuff. You know, it, it, it's it's a whole mm-hmm. thing, right? So dropshipping is fairly quickly to, to set up. Um but the thing is that like you don't really have control over your your brand in that yeah. sense, if you will. So, um, you know, you might get uh, like the packaging, for example, you don't even have control yeah, over. That's so if true. you're drop shipping from somewhere in like China or something like that, and it arrives to your customer's door, and they could look at the package and not even remember like that they ordered from your <laughs> site because it, you know, it, it, it looks different. entirely different. Mm-hmm. You have no control over like the quality of the product, the actual like, kind of customer experience. So. You know, there's pros and cons to both, of course, and I, I definitely I, I see the appeal of drop shipping. Um, and you can do both of them on Shopify. It's just kind of what what's your end goal? I think it, it is kind of the big big question. Yeah. There. What do you think is some of the most successful stores that um, do well on Shopify? Is there a particular type of genre that does well than does a bit better than others on Shopify? Honestly, not mm. really. Like I, I've worked with a lot of uh, a lot of different brands from kind of the home and garden mm-hmm. space to like TV personalities launching their own brands to regulated industries mm. um, to apparel. I mean, you know, to, to like RV accessories. <laughs> like it's a whole breadth of of, of customer or brands, I should say. So I wouldn't say that there is necessarily one that does better the than other. than another. Mm-hmm. It, it's more so kind of what is. Again, like you build it, you've got a functional site, a site optimized for conversions. Um, and then what? Like, how are you marketing your brand? How are you differentiating yourself? What are some of the benefits to being on Shopify? So for me, I'm not a, a te- techie yeah. person by <laughs> any means. So I like the easier, yes. the better. Um, so I think one of the appeals with Shopify is that pretty qu- quick to get set up. 
Um, you know, they have the, tons of different themes. They even have some like free themes um, that, you know, you don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, if you're. You, know, you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details don't need to be you know, a developer to be able to like set it set it up yeah at least like from, from my standpoint yeah. right like even I could go in and I could do it obviously if there's something more complex mm-hmm. I'm not going to be messing around with the code I'll pull in <laughs> no, a dev and, at that yeah. point yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's you know pretty like straightforward in terms of like oh you drop a picture in mm-hmm. here add some copy in here upload your products like it's not super complex which i think is a lot of it, it's very appealing to uh to a lot of people. yeah yeah that the, the non-technical person we love places like shopify and the easier the better to make it seamless and being able to add your products and stuff like that i worked with a friend who um has a store on Shopify. But I think one of the biggest things, like you said, they go in, they set up the store. It's super easy to do, but then it's like, now what, how do you market your store? And a lot of them really just depend on social media. They really don't think about, Mm -hmm. um, anything outside of that. And I think when it comes to paid ads, I think a lot of people are very confused when it comes to paid ads on how to get the best out of an ad, you know what I mean? To really convert and turn that into an actual sale. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people are very confused by it. Do you think paid ads is something that still works really well when it comes to converting? It can. It, I, I think it can. Um, it also depends like kind of who you're working mm-hmm. with. So obviously I'm, I'm biased towards the team that yeah. we work with. I think they're really good at what they do. Um, but it's, again, going back to the set it and forget it, it's definitely not that on, on ads. And especially if you're sinking in, you know, tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're not just setting it up and not looking at it for mm-hmm. a month. You're, you're in there, you're optimizing audiences, you're A-B testing creative, you're A-B testing copy and, and all of that. So I think with, um, especially with like the iOS, iOS, iOS mm-hmm. updates, um, you know, that threw a curveball uh, for, you know, a lot of paid folks. Um, attribution has been a little bit more mm-hmm. tricky, but I think what we're seeing again, it, it depends on the brand, yeah. but of course, 
every platform wants to attribute the sale to their platform. So you spend more money with them. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, Facebook's going to tell you they're the ones that got the sale. Clavio is going to tell you, no, the email got the sale. Google's going to want the sale. So it's like a bit of a battle. Um, and so attribution's always been a difficult thing to track, really. Um, but I think with, you know, I've, I've mentioned Pinterest before, but Pinterest is a place where right now we're seeing really good return on ad yeah. spend, more so than on some of the some of the other channels like the Metas and the Googles. So I think there is still value in it. Um, but it's, again, how much of your marketing budget do you delegate to mm-hmm. it? And um, and what else are you doing? Because paid can't be the only thing. Yeah. So you would suggest a, a good marketing mix in order to see yes. growth and see conversion um, for sale. Yes. And the cool thing is with, um, so for email marketing, we primarily use uh, Klaviyo, mm-hmm. a software called Klaviyo. And what they'll actually let you do is you can take your audience from Klaviyo, you can sync it to Google, you can sync it to Facebook. Mm. And then target those folks on Facebook, on Google, or tell Facebook and Google, hey, find me more people like my VIPs off mm-hmm. my list. And Facebook will go in and find those people for you. So you can optimize that everything can work together. Nothing, you know, these different strategies don't have to work in silos. They can actually work together. But you might find that, you know, paid does really well for you, or maybe email does mm-hmm. really well for you, or maybe organic does really well yeah. for you. You know, your SEO game is just yeah. strong. So, um, but I do recommend trying different things and kind of seeing what makes sense for your business. Yeah, I, I think um, SEO is huge. You know what I mean? And that organic growth. And I think a lot of people try to go that organic route, although it's a it's a much slower route to go. You know, is and all growth mm-hmm. is slow. You know, it's not like you're looking for this overnight thing. That's oh, I'm all, my product is just going to blow up overnight, and I'm just going to be highly successful. Nobody really. I don't think that's nobody's story, <laughs> but it's it's a slow process, you know. And I think understanding more on email because I myself need to understand email more my also because with me and what I'm doing even with my podcast and trying to capture emails I don't do a very good job of it right I just I just really don't I do I put it on my thing and I just forget about it I don't even tell people hey give me your email address I think that's something that we just don't do either we don't even say it we don't even put it on any of our pages and say sign up for my email we just put it on our link <laughs> tree thing and that's it that's all we're looking to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that and think that, oh, I'll just capture emails that way versus me actively trying to get emails. So what do you suggest an entrepreneur do in order to get emails? Should we actively try to get emails or should we, like you said, not to set it and forget it, but to set it and forget it and see what happens from there? I mean, I would say if you are collecting emails, have some sort of a strategy of how you're communicating with those folks. So at at the very least, have like a welcome Mm -hmm. email, letting them know, you know, hey, so they know they've actually signed up and like who you Mm -hmm. are, what they can expect to see from you, basically like a little orientation Mm -hmm. email. Send that at the very least versus just not sending anything, because then what can happen is if six months down the road, you decide, you know what, I will send an email now. Those folks are going to have no, like, they're not going to remember what they signed up for or who you even are because they haven't heard from you. So I think if you are collecting emails, have some sort of a strategy in place of, you know, how often you want to communicate and what you want to communicate. And I think people tend to shy away from like self-promotion and and not everybody. Some, some folks are great at it and that's great. But then there's some, some people that they, they're almost, you know, they they don't want to be promoting themselves online on social media 
they don't want to ask for yep. the emails. They don't want to promote what it is that they do. They're kind of, you know, don't want that, that like in your face promotion, mm-hmm. but you do have to do that to an extent. So remind your followers like, Hey, I've got a newsletter. Here's what you can expect mm-hmm. from it. Sign up, you know, maybe once a week you remind them to, to do so. Um, I think that would be kind of my, my <laughs> biggest tip is also like, don't be afraid to actually like ask people to sign yeah. up. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I think that's one of the things that people are afraid of. It's almost like people who are in sales, they're afraid to actually talk to people about sales, to actually ask for sales or get sales. And I think email is also another one that we kind of like, oh, I'm not going to ask nobody for it. I'm going to just put this on my thing and they sign up for it and I'll leave it at that. And then you're right. Then after that, there's no follow-up. There's no nurturing to, um, to that list. It's more so like when I get something to say, I'll send it to them. And then it becomes that thing, like you said, oh, I forgot. They're like, I forgot I even signed up for this. When did I sign up for this? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's that's probably one of the things that's that's like super important. But what do you what do you tell a person um, the importance of having? Because there's so many different platforms that you can do stores on, right? Like you can kind of do your own thing and build out your own website. But do you see it more beneficial of building out a Shopify store versus building something off on a website? And is it because of the different tools and things that you get access to with Shopify versus going on your own? Yeah. I mean, with, if you're kind of custom building a site from scratch, uh, what you also have to keep in mind with something like that is that unless you built it or you are really familiar with Mm -hmm. code and you're comfortable with that. Anytime you want to make any change, you have to go back to the developer that built it. They're probably not going to do it mm-hmm. for free unless you found a really generous, <laughs> generous person to work with. Um, so you're paying every time. Every time you need to change something, if you don't know how to do it yourself, you have to pay somebody mm-hmm. to do it. Um, now, there is still a component of that with Shopify if you're doing something more complex. Um, if you're doing something more custom, adding custom scripts or something like that. Um, but again, like that's kind of down the road. And at that point, you cross that bridge when you get there. But if you go fully custom right out of the gate, um, it, yeah, I think the big thing to be aware of would be cost yeah. that could be associated with that. Um, and of course, Shopify has a massive ecosystem of apps for basically everything you can imagine. So you want a subscription, there's an app for mm-hmm. that. You want gift with purchase, there's an app for that. You know, you want wish list, there's an app for that. <laughs> like there's apps for everything and it's quite quick and easy to install that. But of course they're not, again, some, most of them have like a freemium model or many of them do, but anytime you want any additional features, you do have to pay for them. Yeah. So that can add up to. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the future of e-commerce. And the reason why is that I think about uh, marketplace delivery right? All the Instacars, the the Ubers and all those things, right? And how now we're becoming a space of we want things right away. We want them quick. I don't want to wait, that type of thing. Do mm-hmm. we see a shift in e-commerce at some point where, I, I was so crazy. I was having this conversation um, with one of our leaders in our organization. And I talked about, do we see a shift where it comes to where a lot of sites are going to forego their own websites and really start more so just putting most of their products and everything on these marketplace delivery apps simply because of the get it right now, the not waiting to get anything. You know how Amazon do it also, but do we see that maybe happening? Do we see that big shift happening in e-commerce where most people might shy away from having their own websites and maybe being on a marketplace where you get your product discovered by a lot more people, a lot more eyes on your product or service? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think with like, you know, the one and two day delivery, we've all got like Jeff, Jeff Bezos yeah. and Amazon to thank <laughs> yeah, for that right. and just setting these crazy <laughs> standards. Um, but, you know, like with, with these marketplaces, yes, you can then tap into their audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you do have to do some promotion yeah. just because you're out there, yeah. you know, like people aren't necessarily going to find you. But again, you don't, um, you know, you want to own those customer lists mm-hmm. so that you can resell to those folks and you don't have to rely on a third party vendor. I think that's kind of the biggest, um, not necessarily, I don't want to say downside, but kind of drawback yeah, it to is. that. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of folks on Amazon that have really successful storefronts on uh, Etsy mm-hmm. that are doing, re- you know, really well. So there's this like misconception also, I think that you have to be everywhere at once. You have to be on all these channels. You have to be on every single social media platform. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that for a lot of small business owners, that's just not feasible. You know, in in most cases, you've got like a one, two person team. They don't have enough time in the day to be on all these platforms and manage Mm -hmm. everything. So it might make sense for, you know, at least proof of concept that you are on Amazon or on Etsy. And then if that you see that's really taken Mm -hmm. off, well, then maybe it does make sense to have your own Shopify store and drive that traffic there. Yeah. Right. So I think um, there's pros and cons to to kind of all these options. It just what makes sense for you as a business owner at that time and what do you have resources to execute well on rather than doing a 50% job and being everywhere. Yeah. 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 I see that too. It's just it's such a like I said, we still live in a world where everybody just want it right now. And we don't, you know, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have that type of marketplace when it comes to um like fashion, of course. You know what I mean? Like certain things we just don't see it. And I and I wonder is like eventually in e-commerce space, will we begin to see a marketplace that pops up and like, hey, get your Dolce sneakers the next day versus waiting from Do-, you know what I mean? Like I really wonder if that's where we're going as as a country when it comes to e-commerce where everyone wants everything so convenient they want it now you know we now have the Mm in-store pickup option where i don't have to wait for it i go in store pick it up so it's just in amazon's coming an option where you shop in store it's all right there you don't have to wait either we have our amazon store so just a convenience driven shopper you know do you see a lot of that when it comes to shopify it's just a convenience driven type of shopper who looking to say i want it now versus waiting five or six days to ship I haven't seen a ton mm. of that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that that's not still hap- going to happen or could potentially yeah. happen. Uh, one thing, though, that we do see a lot is that customers hate to pay for shit. Oh, yeah. I so, do too. <laughs> you know, yeah, if they get to checkout and they get hit with that shipping yeah. charge, um, you, you'll you just see those abandoned yeah. carts go through the roof, mm-hmm. right? So I think as at, at the very least... If you have, you know, if you have to charge customers for shipping, add like a free shri- shipping threshold mm-hmm. or, you know, bake it into the price or something like that because customers absolutely hate to pay for shipping. Yeah. Um, I would say more so than waiting five days yeah. to get their, to get their um, item. But also like that's where you can communicate with your customers post-purchase to let them know, you know, hey, we're busy putting your order mm-hmm. together. You, you know, we'll do our best to get it to you by X date. And I find that customers, especially the ones that have strong brand loyalty, like they're okay mm-hmm. with that. They're not, uh, you know, if it's something very last minute that you need tomorrow, then people know to go to like Amazon yeah. because you'll most likely get it quickly, right? But if it's something more... Um, like Dolce & Gabbana, for example, I just don't, and I, I, you know, we could talk a year from now and I'm totally wrong here, um, but I just don't see 
because they're kind of a premium brand, yeah. I don't see them offering that quick shipping. There's really been a movement um, in like the premium premiumization mm-hmm. of the economy, I think the word <laughs> is, right? So where people are like, especially these like luxury yeah. brands there, um, or, or even regular brands are adding kind of luxury offerings mm-hmm. where they are charging more for that luxury. Yeah. And there is people that are paying for yeah. that. So yeah, that, that, that's my two cents on it. Yeah, yeah, there's always going to be a space. Because I got to admit, I get pretty excited when I see an email say, your package is on the way. I do get excited mm-hmm. after I brought something and it's like, hey, we're preparing it and your package is on the way. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be here soon. You know what I mean? But I do notice that a lot yeah. of brands have been like shortening their shipping. So it's like you could pay for one to two days. So they do give you an option to get it a little quicker, which I think is um, is a big mm-hmm. help to kind of offset that that strategy of like get it next day and get it delivered to your house within a few hours. So I think they're really trying to step up when it comes to that. But um, this this has been a good conversation. Like, I mean, e-commerce is something I could talk about a lot, right? (laughs) Talk about all day and all the AI aspects of it as well and where it's going. Um, Yeah. But what advice would you give a business uh, entrepreneur who's looking to get on Shopify to get his business, his or her business up and running, what advice would you give them how to get started? I think first and foremost, well, actually my, my biggest piece, um, because I see business owners falling into this trap quite a bit, is they wait for it to be perfect mm-hmm. before they launch anything. And then we are just in this endless <laughs> cycle of QA, you like UAT, you know, yeah going through testing, fixing bugs, all this stuff. And next thing you know, you're like a year mm-hmm. delayed in mm-hmm. launch because they want it to be perfect. And the the fact is, at least from what I've seen, is that there's always things you can yeah. change. And you need to launch it to get traffic on the site, to see how people are interacting with the site, and then you'll know what you need to change. And it's a living thing. Like You're always updating things. You're always testing things. You're always trying to optimize your conversion rate. You know, especially if you're a big brand and you're making $50 million in sales mm-hmm. a year, a small, small change in your uh, conversion rate can mean hundreds of thousands of dollars of more or less yeah. sales. So I think don't be obsessed with perfection and having it be perfect and having everything be perfect. A lot of it will be trial and error and you will learn as you go, but get it like as close as you can, you know, get it like 80% of the way mm-hmm. there. And like launch the darn thing <laughs> and, and then and then see what you'll learn from there um, is. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the biggest kind of thing that I see with, uh, you know, many of the brands that I've worked with over the last eight years is they, they get into that trap. Um, and then I kind of have to push them a little bit to launch <laughs> and then and then they're OK, like they're kind of panicky, panicky. And then we launch and they're like, wow, things the world didn't end. Things didn't break <laughs> exactly. down. You know? so, yeah. Would you would you um, suggest that a business uh, entrepreneur hire a company to help them with their stores and launching? Or would you say do what your budget allows you to do? The yeah. latter. So, you know, it, it couldn't be it can be a big expense. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, especially, you know, depending on the size of agency that you work with. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. cheap. And a lot of the things that you might do initially have no immediate ROI. Yeah. Y- you know, like we might recommend you set up a dev store so that we can do testing. Mm-hmm. So we're not testing on the live site. But something like that, you're not going to see an immediate ROI on, but it's really vital in improving processes mm-hmm. and testing and QA and all of that. So. Um, I would say there is, you know, lots that you can kind of start on your own. And then as your budget allows, you you add on. Um, 
you also, you know, at some point get to the point where you have to invest money to make yeah. money to, to allow you to scale. Yeah. And so you have to, as a business owner, I think, recognize where that tipping point is, where you're stopping yourself from scaling further because you're not investing in what you need, yes. whether it's help with marketing or help with, you know, fulfillment or whatever the case may be. So I think have a good um, have a good grasp on your PNL and, you know, like your prof profit and loss mm -hmm. statement. Um, but, and, and have a roadmap and understand like hire strategically when, when it makes sense. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I spoke to a lot of entrepreneurs and they talk about when, the, you know, when it's time to grow. And because you mentioned that, like, mm -hmm. no one is time to scale and bring other people on because in order to grow, you have to, you can't grow alone. You know what I mean? You have to grow exactly. with people. That's how you grow your business. Any business, that's how everybody grows. So I'm glad you really touched on that. Um, but this has been good. But before we end this show, Ivana, this is what I ask all of my guests. I'm going to ask you to, and I just want you to know, I really enjoyed this conversation. This has been really good. Um, Me too. What advice, what was some of the best advice you received from another woman? I think, and, and like, this is something that I felt victim to, if you, if you want to say mm -hmm. it that way, um, as well, especially early on in my career is I think as women, we really do shy away from asking for what we're really oh, worth. Yeah. Um, I, you know, more so than like the male colleagues that I've, mm -hmm. I've had. And, um, I've gotten to the point in my career, especially, you know, I've got a number of years under my belt now. I, don't know everything by any means, but I know some yeah. things and, um, you know, getting comfortable with asking for what you're actually mm. worth and, and weeding out potential customers that maybe they're not a good fit because if you, you know, name your price at the beginning and they right away, like throw up their mm -hmm. hands and they're like, well, that's like too much or whatever the case may be, you know, they might not be the right fit, but that doesn't mean you need to like lower, you know, kind of yourself to just be able to like bring that business yeah. in. And I think that goes as like negotiating salaries or anything like that as well. Like if you're a good, if you're good at what you do, you should be compensated for that. And I don't think you should be afraid to like ask for that. Um, so I think, you know, especially like a lot of younger women that are getting into the mm -hmm. workforce, I see that they just like sort of don't, have that kind of negotiating mindset. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's like one of the key takeaways I've had working in a number of different industries is you have to know your worth and you have to ask for what you're yeah, worth. That, that was such good advice because as women, like you said, we do not do that. We even don't, some of us are even afraid to even ask for raises, to talk about raises, to ask for advancement, exactly. our promotions. And we do need to understand and be more confident in our skills and what we've done and our career and what we accomplished. Like I tell my friends, sometimes we got to give ourselves a little clout, you know what I mean? Like pat ourselves on the back, brag on ourselves a little bit because we've accomplished a lot of great things and you're right. You deserve to be compensated for what you're doing and what you're good at. So that was good advice. I, I, I appreciate you for saying that because we continuously as women need to hear that. Ask for what you're worth, you know, don't take nothing less. Like you said, if a client is trying to haggle you down, that's not the client for you, you know? Exactly. The yeah. price is the price. That's what's been trending. I heard like <laughs> the price is the price. <laughs> it's been trending. Yeah. And and you've spent, you know, an, a, a good portion of your career becoming really mm -hmm. good at that one particular thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that comes at a comes at a price. Otherwise, there's lots there's lots of people out there that could do it for, for less and it might take longer. And at the end of the day, cost exactly. More. 
So exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much, Yvonne, again, for being on the show. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, I am Shondi Sanders. This is the Girl Techno Podcast, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Techno Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.